Welcome to Overcoming Financial Stress with the Saver and the Spender. At Fiscal Fitness Phoenix, we are the worldwide leaders in reducing financial stress. And our mission is that everyone, from the person that is overwhelmed with financial stress, to the person that makes good money, has amazing goals, and wants to achieve financial independence, finally to the person that feels a calling to help others by becoming a financial coach, learn how to take the stress out of money. Hello, hello, all of our listeners. How are you doing? Are you feeling good this time of year? This is Coach Kelsa, and the recording of this is happening middle of June. Um, And so we are finally through the month of May. And I joke that May is the second December of the year. And what I mean by that is that May tends to be really crazy, really hectic, a lot of stress for people, a lot of pressure, schedules are changing, kids getting out of school, summer schedules um, getting started, vacation plans getting worked out, sometimes family coming to visit, all sorts of things, graduations. So oftentimes May is a pretty stressful month. How is your financial stress these days? Hopefully now it is, you know, the middle of June, you are feeling better, you're feeling like you've got some sanity back to your schedule. And if not, um, try to write down some of the things that have happened so that you can get ahead of them next May. Like I said, it's really common that May is stressful for all of our clients. So you are not alone. Um, and so the best thing you can do is just write down all the things that happen that way a year from now, you are ready for them. Um, at least being a little bit more proactive can simply help. So we had a crazy month over here. Um, the spender, Mr. Fiscal Fitness and I went on vacation for a week to Cabo and we took our two little ones with us. So for those of you with toddlers or little kids, you know that, uh, traveling with little kids is simply watching your kids in a different location. It doesn't necessarily feel like a vacation. So while it was wonderful and we had a really good time, um, it was also stressful and exhausting. And uh, we went to a resort. We did not have Wi-Fi, which was really good. So there was no iPads, nobody on their phones. Um, We spent a lot of time in the pool and at the beach and playing in the sand and that sort of thing. And Also, last week, um, in even more exciting news, we got to adopt our foster son, Alex. So we are really excited to have that chapter complete, and now we can really focus on the future. Um, Friday, we had the hearing to adopt him, and I joke that Friday night, I slept better than I have in about nine months. So things are feeling very complete and happy and joyful and exciting over here. Um, So for those of you who have been part of that journey with us, um, it is it is over and we now get to focus on being a family of four. So this podcast episode is episode five of six uh, with the cognitive biases. So we have gotten tons of positive feedback on these and so many people writing in to say, you know, that, oh my God, that's exactly what I do. And, oh, I've done that so many times or I've thought that way and I didn't realize that's what was happening. We've had other financial coaches write in that say it was really valuable for them to learn about these for their you know, clients' sake. So um, I'm excited to hear that positive feedback. It was a lot of fun to do the research on these cognitive biases and just the awareness around how it's affecting our clients and how it's affecting probably all of you and even how it's affecting me and the way I make decisions every day. So um, today we are going to talk about 
the negativity bias. So first of all, I just want to say that if you um, are just tuning in for the first time and you don't know what I'm talking about with these cognitive biases, this is a six-part series that I'm doing and it started on episode 50. So you'll want to probably hit pause or stop and come back to this episode after you've had a chance to tune into episode 50 where I explain what is a cognitive bias um, and give you a little bit of background information first. And then I cover um, a few of them and then this is number five of six. So let's dive into the negativity bias. So the negativity bias is our tendency and the tendency for the brain to place more significance on negative events than positive ones. And this is a subconscious thing. So it's usually not a choice that we're making to be more negative than positive. Um, And I know I see this happen all the time with clients. So this bias likely evolved as more of a survival technique. And that's because you know, assuming the worst of a situation that turns out not to be dangerous is actually much safer than, let's say, not expecting danger that turns out that danger is present. So this is actually like most of these biases we've found. There is a purpose to them. Um, Just sometimes they play a role in parts of our life where they shouldn't. So this one does serve a purpose in our life. It's just when it comes to how we feel about our money, how it shows up in our spending behaviors, um, our money mindset, that's where it really shouldn't be playing a role, but it oftentimes does. So not only do negative events and experiences imprint more quickly, they also linger longer than positive ones. We remember and attach more of an impact to negative occurrence compared to positive ones. It's very likely that if you look back over your life, some of the negative occurrences, maybe times where you were humiliated publicly or you felt a lot of guilt or a lot of shame. Those have a much stronger emotion attached to them. You can almost recall them very vividly sometimes than a a more positive experience or memory. There is a um, movie, Pretty Woman, for those of you who um, saw the movie in the 90s, Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts. There's a time where she says, the bad stuff is easier to believe. You ever notice that? That's the quote in the movie. Um, So again, the bad stuff is easier to believe. You ever notice that? That is her quote. And it's likely because it's easier to believe because we can simply recall it faster, right? So we place more impact on it. We're able to remember it. Um, And that's why it's easier to believe because that's what we can think of the quickest. The negativity bias can cause us to dwell on something negative, even if something positive is equally um, in occurrence. So it's happened just as many times positively as it has negative, but we're going to dwell on the negative. Or maybe we have more positive examples more recently, and yet we're still focusing on the negative, even though they were a long time ago. So, you know, a really good example of how this can happen um, is that you might spend all day with a friend and you have a wonderful time, you enjoy each other's company, you have great conversation, but if they make one small comment that perturbs you, you may end up remembering the day just for that comment alone and categorizing the entire experience or the entire day as negative when the entire day was actually positive, it was just one thing that you're sort of latching onto and it's having a a bigger impact on you. One way that this shows up with money and with my clients and with budgeting is we tend to remember the areas where we go over budget 
but we don't give ourselves any credit or we completely discount or disregard the areas where we come in under budget. I see this happen all the time. So clients come in and they will say, I did this and I did that. And it's all the stuff they did wrong. And, and I'll have to say, and what did you do right? What went well? And they have not even allowed themselves to think about that or give themselves credit for those things. I also see it happen where you know, a client will actually come in under budget more ways and then they go over budget. So in other words, their budget is actually ahead of where we thought they were going to be a month prior when we set it. And yet, because they had gone over budget in some areas, that's all they're focusing on. And they're not you know, looking at it as a whole and realizing that they actually did better in more ways that, than they you know, made mistakes in. And I, I find this so true. You know, budgeting or managing our money is never about perfection. So it's never going to go exactly as planned. So if you've got that expectation on yourself, first of all, I'm going to challenge you on that, that it will never go exactly as planned. That is, that is not the expectation to place on yourself. You will set yourself up for failure if that's what you're thinking. So it's always going to have some adjustments that are happening throughout the month. The goal is that you come in under budget in more ways than you go over budget. Right. So with all those changes that are going to happen, as long as you come in under in more ways than over, you're actually ahead. And oftentimes a client that that exact thing will happen where they come in under budget in more ways. And yet all they're able to focus on are the ways that they messed up or the bad decisions that they made. The negativity bias is also why people are more likely to leave a negative review of a place or a service or a vendor than a positive one. And that is because the negative one feels stronger, right? So people you know, just don't give as much credence or credit to the positive experiences in their life. Um, it's oftentimes why people will say, if you had a positive review or a positive experience, leave me a review on Google or leave me a review on Yelp. And it's because you almost have to encourage that activity for people because it's a natural thing to leave a review when it's negative. It's something you have to be asked to do when it's positive. And we do those things, same things in our own life. We have to be asked to give ourselves credit for the positive changes we've made and not dwell on the negative choices we've made. Um, you know, it's likely that at some point in your life, you've made a bad decision with money. I believe that every listener to this podcast has done that. I don't believe any of us are immune to a poor decision with money at some point in our life. None of us are ever perfect. Um, and that includes us, the saver and the spender here. Um, but my question for you is, are you hanging on to that thought as more powerful than some of the positive choices, decisions, and experiences you've had with your money? Because I am equally as confident that you have made some amazing choices with money and that you've done some really good things financially. And I wonder if you are not giving yourself enough credit for those and maybe dwelling too much, hanging on to the more negative ones. It's really normal that after working with a client for three or four months, they will say something like, you know, I'm not good with money. And I'll say, why do you say that? And they will give me all of these examples of things that happened in their past where they made, made bad, poor decisions. And 
I'll point out to them what they've done in the last four months, let's say, and all the strides they've made and all the massive changes they've made and all the money they've saved and all the progress they've made. And I'll say, are you defining yourself by the things you've done in the past or are you defining yourself by what's more recent? And oftentimes it can come down to not giving ourselves credit for it. And other times it's just, it takes time to decide that this is the new us, that change doesn't feel like it's the way that I define myself just yet. Um, and it takes time. And yet at the same time, what can speed up that time frame is by giving yourself credit as early as possible. So by calling somebody out on that or pointing it out to them and bringing awareness to it really early on in their financial journey it helps them to start giving themselves credit really early on so that they can begin to define themselves by their new choices, their new actions, their new behaviors that are very positive and not dwell on or hang on to the past. So let's talk about some of the solutions to overcoming the negativity bias if you are experiencing any of these. Solution one is positive self-talk. You know, the single most important underlying factor is how we talk to ourselves about our experiences. So value all the good and positive aspects of your life so that you are not overcome by the negative. Talk to yourself as if you were talking to a friend. I've said that before on some of these negative, um, or excuse me, some of these biases that really like our our self-talk is really one of the best ways that we can overcome many of them. And that is holds true for the negativity bias as well. So really trying to remind yourself, point out what it is that you've done well. Solution two, avoid overanalyzing by not overthinking the decisions you've made. We can always find fault or imperfections. Instead, try creating a playlist of music that makes you happy or read a good book when you find yourself beginning to overanalyze. So how can you sort of stop that cycle of overanalyzing and get yourself out of that mindset? Um, you know, I find a really good playlist is the thing that works for me. A really good fiction book that sort of takes me out of it is also really helpful. Solution three, try to look at decisions and ask yourself, what did I do right? And what will I repeat next time? I enjoy looking at decisions and saying, what would I like to do differently next time? I think that that's a valuable question. And it's something that I feel like most people do a bit naturally as they sort of like figure out how can I, you know, become even better next time. But I don't think it's as natural, but I think it's equally as important for us to ask ourselves, what did I like about how I made this decision? What would I do exactly the same if I were faced with this, you know, challenge the next time or this decision again? What would I repeat? What did I do right? I think it's equally important as important to give ourselves credit for those things. Solution four, focus on the idea that our money is something we should be curious about. We should experiment, try new things, and challenge ourselves. And when that happens, there will likely be mistakes along the way. And our goal is not to be perfect. It is to make progress and to learn something through all of those mistakes. So that is actually one way that if you go into decision-making or if you go into your money as experimental and in learning new things and being curious, then when a mistake is made or when there's a negative experience, it won't carry as much weight. There's a really great article that I will post in the show, no show notes, excuse me, and it's not an area of expertise that I hold, but I found it to be really valuable and um, really 
prudent in regard to this conversation and it is the effect of the negativity bias on marriage. It's this idea that we tend to, you know, maybe pick apart the person, focus on the negative things that have happened in our marriage or with our spouse or in our relationship and not give enough credit to, you know, the other person that we're married to, not give enough credit to ourselves during the marriage. And it is a leading cause of divorce or marital strife, if you will. And so I am going to, I found it a really fascinating article, very easy to read. I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to share that with all of you, even though it's not the purpose of this podcast. Um, I know many of you are in a relationship. And so I wanted to go ahead and share that article with you. So check that out in the show notes. It is at fatherly.com. And if you want to um, Google that, it's how to prevent negativity bias from ruining your marriage. So you can take a look at that. And again, it's at fatherly.com, but I'll post the link in the show notes. So this was the negativity bias. And really the one thing that I want you to ask yourself is... You know, when you make judgments on yourself and how you are with money, how you are as a money manager, what experiences are you using to determine that judgment? Is it things from the past? Are you focusing more on the negative? Are you not giving yourself credit for more recent positive experiences? Are you downplaying the positive? Is it coming from a place of expecting perfection in yourself and having maybe too high of a standard um, and really looking at, am I being impacted? Is my future being impacted? My outlook on the future, my the credit I give myself, how I define myself, my self-worth, all of those things being impacted by the negativity bias. I have a feeling for so many of you that are listening that it is affecting you, um, which is why I wanted to share this um, cognitive bias with you. We have loved reading your thoughts on how this um, these articles about the cognitive biases have been resonating with you. So I hope that you will continue to share with us either by dropping us comments or um, sending us emails. Um, we love hearing from you. And I hope that this... Uh, topic of the negativity bias was impactful for you. I look forward to bringing you number six of six soon. I'll talk to you guys later. If you would like more information about how we can help you take the stress out of money with one-on-one financial coaching, please check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Feel free to join our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash groups slash fiscal fitness money. And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group for financial coaches by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. We'll see you next episode where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.